This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. In the squadron, they called him Bullets, but we call him Greg Kelly. Greg Kelly is on the air on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Meanwhile, you can find some programming that is um, boring and will kill your brain. It's on every channel. It's the uh, January 6th. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Every channel except a, a few select ones. Uh, January 6th hearings, they continue. Um, don't they realize after Thursday, after that debacle, that it doesn't, I guess, look, what do they say? 20 million people tuned in. It does not matter. It doesn't matter. I actually don't believe those numbers. I don't think 20 million people sat through Benny Thompson talking for 20 minutes, followed by Liz Cheney for another 15 minutes. Do you? No. 80%. I think they possibly 20 million tuned on at 8 o'clock looking for whatever the hell's on TV at 8 o'clock. And then they moved on. I, uh, Mark Levin told me or told everybody who was listening on Friday night. I try to catch it once a, on, on Friday nights. Stalinist show trial. That's what it was. Everything. everything. This is not the way our system is supposed to work. We are a system of uh, competition. The competition of ideas. It's adversarial. We have an adversarial justice system. You present the uh, prosecution. Then you present the defense. Everything is coming from one perspective here. Well, this is America. And there are a lot more perspectives Maybe the truth is somewhere in between. I don't, quite frankly, I, the, the only perspective that I think is correct is that January 6th was probably a setup. January 6th was a great big sham. And yeah, it's okay to have doubts about the November 2020 election. Just like Bill Barr. Bill Barr, the Attorney General. The swamp suddenly loves him, then they hated him, then they bullied him, now they love him again. But at this point, they did not love him. In the run-up to the election, 2020, what did he say? He said, oh, boy, we got so much to worry about. We got so much to worry about. And he was right. Listen to the passion in his voice. Hey, first of all, before we get to that, how are we? How does it feel? Isn't the year going fast? It's June 13th. Oh, by the way, oh, by the way, my TV show on Newsmax is changing time spots. It's going to be on at 10 o'clock, 10 p.m., Traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. 
paid for by the American Petroleum Institute. They tell me that's a promotion. All right, thank you. I'm sure it is. Uh, and actually, I'm excited about the the opportunity. More people on the West Coast. It always boggles my mind, actually, the way people in L.A., Los Angeles, Las Vegas, uh, wherever, you know, have to watch TV. My TV show was coming on at 4 o'clock in the afternoon. Well, at every stage of my life, you know, when I was a kid and into my early adult years, at 4 o'clock, if I was home, I'd watch cartoons. I wasn't in the mood for the news. And uh, so this is going to be, I hope, better. Uh, 7 p.m. people can watch and tune in to my very compelling, no one's doing anything like me uh, on television show. And really, nobody is. Have you seen it yet? You really should, because it's unlike anything. And I like uh, I like a lot of content out there, but I like mine, quite frankly, the best. I'm doing stuff in a uh, that no one else is doing, and I'm doing it, quite frankly, in the most innovative way. And it's uh, very compelling. It commands attention. Yes, I know, sometimes we're hard to find. Newsmax Channel 2087. There are apps you can use. You can also download the app and watch it on your phone at any point. But I'm very proud of the content that we have produced uh, since when the hell did that show go on TV? Uh, January of 2020 is when I started. Um, We've done very well. We went like from 20,000 viewers to uh, a million viewers, beat Fox there for a bit. And um, I think we're poised to do it again. Uh, So 10 o'clock tomorrow on the East Coast. All right. Newsmax, 10 o'clock on the East Coast. Now, Fox and a lot of other people would love it if you just forgot. Oh, wait, what happened to his show? I guess it's gone. Where did he go? 10 o'clock. Don't leave me hanging. Okay, 10 p.m. East Coast time. That's uh, 9. What's the other? Central. Um, What's the other one called? Mountain? 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 Midwest? Mountain? And then Pacific. All right? I remember uh, 10 Eastern, 7 Pacific, and who the hell can figure out Mountain? Um, there's one state that does not even ever change their time. It's Arizona. They never go ahead. They never spring back. They never spring ahead. They never fall back. They just, they don't mess with the time. Um, all right. So that's that. All right. So where does, oh yeah, Bill Barr. Bill Barr back in 2020 was nervous. He was so nervous. And by the way, it made a lot of sense. He should be nervous. And Wolf Blitzer, you should have been nervous too. You and the arrogant fake news going around, oh, there's never been widespread fraud. Listen to this. Cut 46. This is in the summer of 2020. So far, we haven't seen widespread fraud. But you, So far, we haven't tried it. Well, and the point is that a lot of us, uh, there are several states that only have mail-in voting, including a Republican well, state. Well, this is like playing Utah. with fire. This is playing with fire. We're a very closely divided country here. And if people have to have confidence in the results of the election and the legitimacy of the government and people trying to change the rules to this to this methodology, which, as a matter of logic, is very open to fraud and coercion, is reckless and dangerous. And the people are playing with fire. People are playing with fire, reckless and dangerous. As a matter of logic, it is open to fraud. Not that Donald Trump has to defend himself at all from anything, quite frankly. And even as they, we may criminally indict. He may be criminally indicted, which I understand, by the way, is a whole separation of powers thing. It's essentially illegal for the Congress to be doing what it's doing, acting as a prosecutor. You can't do that. It's a legislative branch. Hello. You can find facts, but um, we know that what you're doing there, Benny, 
Benny and Liz. That's not a fact-finding. Uh, that's a vote-getting. <laughs> this is uh, shaping the battlefield for November. This is a midterm, uh, midterm election deflection. This is uh, – talk about deflection. I watched the Sunday sh- shows yesterday. Nothing about gas prices. Nothing about inflation. I mean, nothing about the stuff that people are actually worrying about. Oh, by the way, also nothing about the assassination plot against Justice Kavanaugh. I think that was a pretty big deal. For a year, I've been hearing about the threat against Gretchen Whitmer. Remember that? When they rounded up those guys who, by the way, I think they were set up. Looks like they were set up by the FBI uh, big time. So um, this is a show trial, possibly illegal. And Donald Trump, all he's got to do is say, well, I remember Bill Barr telling me, you know, it's like, well, he, he said it and he was so passionate about it. Right? I'm not making fun of Trump. I'm just saying this is a totally valid thing to say. You just heard it. He said, by, as a matter of logic, fraud, abuse, we're playing with fire. Now, I've never heard Bill Barr like that. I've never heard him that agitated because he usually sounds like this. What does he normally sound like? He's laid back, usually with a scotch in his hand, totally checked out, and he can't command attention. He's got to throw around curse words to uh, get anybody to listen. Here we go. Uh, Cut 45. Bill Barr, when he's speaking to the fake January 6th committee. I've had I had three discussions with the president that I can recall. One was on November 23rd. One was on December 1st and one was on December 14th. And I've been through sort of the give and take of those discussions. And in that context, I made it clear I did not agree with the idea of saying the election was stolen and putting out this stuff, which I told the president was bull. And, uh, you know, I didn't want to be a part of it. And that's one of the reasons that went into me deciding to leave when I did. I observed, uh, I think it was on December 1st, that, you know, how can we, you can't live in a world where where the incumbent administration stays in power based on its view, unsupported by specific evidence, that the election, that there was fraud in the election. Well, Bill Barr, number one, they weren't talking about staying in office beyond the, beyond inauguration unless they could make progress under the Electoral Count Act of 1887. And there's all kinds of provisions within the law where they could have objected to this. And that's what they were exploring, and they should have to the fullest possible extent. And, uh, oh, by the way, something else I heard from Levin. Uh, Barr in the federal government actually doesn't have much in the way of jurisdiction when it comes to these matters. It's a state issue, especially state of Pennsylvania, state of Arizona, state of uh, Wisconsin, state of Georgia, all right, Michigan. These swing states where just a few thousand votes made the difference. For the most part, because these things are, 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 are governed by state law, not federal law. And it really sounded to me almost like a political, uh, a political position. And the other thing about Barr, you got to remember, uh, he's not an election expert. Not only does he not have jurisdiction, he doesn't know what the freaking hell he's talking about. I believe Trump. And you know what? Nobody has better instincts. Nobody has better antennae than that guy. And I don't care what Bill Stepien said, whoever the hell that is. I don't care what Bill Barr said. I don't care what Kaylee McEnany said. I don't care what any of these people said. I care what the president said and what the president was thinking. We didn't vote for any of the others. And I like Kaylee. I like some of these people. Well, not Barr. Never met Stepien. Um, but all these staffers, 
you know, Ivana, Ivanka, whatever, trying to say, well, you know, we, we just heard from Bill Barr and he's it, it's not up to him. It's up to the president. We voted for the president. We didn't vote for any of these other people who are weighing in because they're swamp. They're all swamp. All of them. You know, all weekend long, I'm hearing a threat to democracy. It was a threat to, to democracy. January 6th, a threat to democracy. You know, tonight on the Newsmax show, for the last time at 7 o'clock, tomorrow we make the switch. Did I make that clear? Tomorrow it's on at 10. Tonight we are on at uh, 7. It's going to be an interesting um, change. It's going gonna, it's gonna to give me, I don't know, it's going to give me a bit more breathing room. Quite frankly, it's going to give me more time for work and play. I'm actually excited about it. Um, so join me tonight at 7, and then Tuesday, we're switching to 10. All right? I'm sure all the experts figured this out, that this is the best day to switch. Monday to Tuesday. It's not going <laughs> to confuse anybody. Um, so I'm excited about that. What were we talking about? Yes, yeah, staffers, it's not up to them. It's up to the president. He's the one we voted for. And um, this guy uniquely talented in history, the only one who has the the wherewithal to stand up to all this crap. And uh, just remember, oh, I got a lot of heat this weekend, by the way. And I welcome it. Don't get me wrong. I welcome it. Because they think that they're so cynical. They are so bad. Generally speaking, Democrats, the left, they're not on the side of law enforcement. They're not. But right now they're hiding behind law enforcement. They're hiding behind it. They're taking them and they're 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 actually casting them. They're auditioning them. You know, you can't have four white cops come out and say something. Number one, quite frankly, I think most of them would be like, uh, what the hell was up with that day? Why did our managers tell us to stand down? I think those I think those cops would have a lot to say. As a matter of fact, I don't think we've heard from one white male on the Capitol Police Department except for the chief of the Capitol Police, who was defending his job and all that stuff. So they brought in, uh, you know, by Washington standards, a hot blonde with a great big chip on her shoulder. Yeah, let's see here. Cut 40. This is Caroline Edwards, 31 years old, a Capitol Hill cop. And uh, she's a hero, right? Just, uh, Just ask her. Cut 40. I had been called names before but never had my patriotism or duty been called into question. I, who got up every day, no matter how early the hour or how late I got in the night before, to put on my uniform and to protect America's symbol of democracy. I, who spent countless hours in the baking sun and freezing snow to make sure that America's elected officials were able to do their job. I whose literal blood, sweat, and tears were shed that day defending the building that I spent countless holidays and weekends working in. Countless holidays and weekends working in. Her blood, sweat, and tears. Did she, did she find time to cry that day? And she took a terrible tumble. Cut 42. We started grappling over the bike racks. Um, I felt the bike rack come on top of my head. And I was pushed backwards, and my foot caught the stair behind me, and I, uh, my chin hit the handrail, and then I, at that point, I had blacked out, but my, um, the back of my head clipped 
the concrete stairs behind me. Okay, you fell down. So remember the old phrase, why are we making a federal case out of it? You don't have to make a federal case out of it. It was like back in the honeymooners. Don't make a federal case out of it. Why are we making a federal case out of one cop falling down a year and a half ago? Did you watch the Summer of Fire in 2020? Let's go back two years. And ever since, how many cops have been pummeled, beaten, stabbed, spat at, all that stuff? Why don't we put them front and center, prime time? Why not? No, only one who can achieve their political goals of the attempt is to tarnish Trump. It ain't going to work. He's coming back. And you people, you're all exposed. You really are. A Stalinist show trial. It ain't going to work. You are un-American. You, Liz Cheney. You, Benny Thompson. God bless Donald Trump. I'll be right back. Greg Kelly Kelly. on the Red Apple Podcast Network. How's Mayor Party Boy doing? Party Boy. He's a party boy. He even admits it. I like to go out and just, you know, he's uh, he's just going to take it easy. He's going to party down. Doesn't know anything about anything. We all can see that now. Um, You know, who cares about his clothes? He does. He still can't get over the fact that he's mayor. Does not know anything. And, um, I mean, really, he it's kind of – I told you guys about this. I told you, and things have gotten so much worse. Crime is up 50, 50 to 60%. And you go to hell, John Miller. Oh, well, shootings are down in this category. You, we, you, They always do that. They try to spin us when we can see it. We can feel it. We can feel it. And, by the way, did you know that the, the deputy commissioner of counterterrorism – we have a deputy commissioner for counterterrorism. His name is John Miller. Well, he's also the deputy commissioner for press relations, and he's also out there talking about shootings and crap like that. You know, my my father, you know who he employed as the deputy commissioner for counterterrorism? A spook who ran the Central Intelligence Agency, a guy by the name of David Cohn, a no-kidding spy. That's the kind of guy, and by the way, you didn't really see him all that much, you know? But you got uh, John Miller on TV posing for the cameras, you know, just it just all over the place on television. And oh, by the way, people don't watch the local news like they didn't. So he's really just spinning his wheels. All right. So Eric Adams, you know, we are seeing more cops leave the force than at any time since we've been keeping records on this stuff. Fifteen hundred officers, fifteen hundred officers have either resigned or retired this year. And the Post says that is the that that rate, the largest exodus of officers since the statistics have been available. Statistics. All right. So what is uh what is what does Mayor Party Boy think about this? Cut one. No, I don't care, man. Just cut one from Eric Adams. There are reports that over five hundred cops are resigning. And over a thousand are retiring. Does that concern you? Uh, no, it does not. New York City Police Department is an amazing career. You know, I know it firsthand. And we're going to find young men and women who are going to want to be a member of New York City finest. We got an amazing recruitment camp- campaign coming in. This is a great opportunity to diversify the department. So, no, uh, people will always want to join the New York City Police Department. It's one of the best careers you could have in the city. Wow. Um, 
diversify the police department. We have we have cops from every country on the planet. Every single country on the planet is inside the NYPD. I know it doesn't concern me at all there, Rosanna. Rosanna Scott, oh, everybody. My buddy. Let's see here. Next, uh, what does he say? Well, he's going to make uh, do with less, right? He's gonna, he, he knows how to deploy these officers. Uh, just ask him. Cut 60. We are not deploying our resources uh, properly. And the com- police commissioner and I and her team, we are looking at the proper deployment of police officers. Uh, you're seeing a difference on our parades. You don't see five, six police officers standing at the corner together. You're seeing us deploy our police properly. He's been the de facto mayor for a year. One year. He won the primary, remember, last June. Where's this freaking plan, huh? What the hell's he waiting for? This is what he ran on. He's the crime fighter, right? I told you guys he didn't know anything. Is this a guy trying to make up stuff or what? Can I hear that again? He's tap dancing. He doesn't know. It's words that sound good. Go ahead. One more time. Listen to this. It's nothing. We are not deploying our resources uh, properly. And the com- police commissioner and I and her team, we are looking at the proper deployment. Of oh, police deployment. Officers. You're uh, looking you're at it now. Uh, parades. You don't see five, six police officers standing at the corner together. Actually, you're you do. And sometimes deployed. you should. He's an idiot. He is a party boy. And he knows nothing. And New York deserved so much better. My God, it's... It really is awful. Oh, and don't forget, he's a racist. Last one. Every day in the police department, I kicked those crackers' ass, man. I was unbelievable in the police department when he kicked one of the black law enforcement. He kicked those crackers' ass. He kicked those crackers' ass. He kicked those crackers' ass. Wow. Wow. Oh, boy. We got a problem. Hey, reminder, don't ride the subway. If you can afford it, if you have an alternative, do not go down there. I'm not I'm not kidding. It is dangerous. It's more tense than ever before. And a lot of it, sorry, is race-driven. I'll be right back. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Hello, hello, hello. Yes? Okay, good. Hi, uh, tomorrow, and I think everybody should buy this book. Let's let's support a woman named Kathleen Buell, B-U-H-L-E. She used to be named Kathleen Biden, but that name is uh, such a heartbreak to her. After she divorced Hunter, good for her, she changed her name back to her maiden name, Buell. And uh, she has a new book out, and she, <laughs> I mean, she's putting it all out there. And uh, I say, quite frankly, good for her. A couple of things here. Um, She has real financial concerns. And she did even when she was married to Hunter. Because Hunter, who's making millions, was blowing it all on drugs, uh, prostitutes, and uh, multiple girlfriends that he had. Uh, The guy is such a bum. And that goes for his father as well. And you'll see here. You'll be reminded. Now, I remember when we first met this guy... When I first became aware of Joe Biden in 1987, this motormouth who uh, could not stop lying about his education. Remember, he said he had three undergraduate degrees. He's graduated from the top of his law school class. He got the International Honorable Moot Court Competition Award. All this crap. It was all, all of it. 
Everything he said was a lie. He had to drop out of the race. It was that bad. Uh, And now he's the same guy, and he lies like crazy. There's a big fat one here. So Miranda Devine, the great opinion columnist with the New York Post, native of Australia, by the way. She is brilliant. She has a great book out, too. Laptop from Hell. No one in the mainstream will tell this story. I wonder why not. It is so, I mean, look, it's important to tell. It's substantive, actually. It's uh, factual. And quite frankly, it's, sorry, it's pretty juicy. I mean, it's the kind of thing that we gravitate toward. We do. We just, you know, I wish we didn't or whatever, but, and that's just besides the point. This is this is real news. Anyway, here we go. Uh it's what she doesn't say that makes Kathleen Buell's divorce memoir, If We Break, out Tuesday so compelling. For 24 years, she was, of course, Kathleen Biden, wife of the notorious Hunter, the daughter-in-law of the president. In the final chapter, she goes to D.C. Superior Court to renounce her married name and reclaim her identity as Kathleen Buell of Chicago's working-class South Side. She never explains explicitly why she abandoned the Biden name, Although taunts from Hunter after their ugly divorce played a role. Are you enjoying your last name, he would say. Still, her book makes clear that despite the immense privileges, being a Biden isn't all it's cracked up to be. Kathleen makes no mention in the lengthy acknowledgments of any Biden other than her three daughters, Maisie, Finnegan, and Naomi. Oh, Naomi's getting married at the White House this November. Hmm. In fact... Hey, wait a second. Is Naomi a lesbian? Not that I'm judging, but whatever. Could you find that out? One of these girls, I believe, is a lesbian. And I'd just like to know which one. In fact, she says she was always made to feel lower class and that she wasn't a true member of the Biden family. Early in her marriage, she recalls, we were taking family photos and Hunter's aunt, Val, was running the show. At one point, she announced, now let's do Biden blood only. Biden blood only non-blood relatives get out of the picture. Have you ever heard of something like that ever? Let's see here. When the Secret Service told her before Inauguration Day in 2009 that only Hunter and their daughters would be protected, she felt embarrassed. Did this mean I was less important than my husband and my kids? Hmm. Kathleen fell pregnant within months of meeting Hunter fresh out of college when they were serving in the Jesuit Volunteer Corps in Portland, Oregon. She was shocked at the opulence of his lifestyle when he took her home to his father's former DuPont mansion in Greenville, Delaware. Joe liked to describe himself as the poorest man in Congress, and Hunter told Kathleen he came from a middle-class family, but she told him, Hunt, a kid from a middle-class family, does not have a ballroom. That's a good, good point, right? Uh, a ballroom. Uh, we had. Well, what did we have? We had a living room. We had a dining room, and then we had a basement that we actually furnished much later on. We finished it. What do you call it when you make the basement? You know, we made the basement a TV room, and then later on we added a den, a den, not a ballroom. Let's see here. The front door opened into a foyer, foyer, with a marble floor and double staircase. He had a tuxedo hanging in his closet, a tuxedo he used fairly regularly. Ah, I'm not sure that's a... By the way, don't rent a tuxedo, fellas. If you ever got to wear a tuxedo, just buy one, all right? Uh, yeah. 
All right. Hunter had instant entry into the world of, oh, this is kind of boring, quite frankly. I mean, she's a good writer, but it, um, oh, yeah, her, the dad was a U.S. senator, so he got, you know, jobs he wasn't qualified for at uh, salaries that were ludicrous. Um, they lived beyond their means. They bought houses they could not afford. They were afforded credit they did not rate. Uh, let's see here. Oh, this is the, you know, so Hunter starts fooling around with Bo's wife, Haley. We think after Bo died, we think. Um, but the amazing thing here, and she writes this, once that affair becomes public, what does Joe Biden do? And what does Jill, Dr. Jill do? They come out and they support them publicly. Um, the only time she expresses anger in the book is when writing about the statement Hunter and his father gave to page six when news broke of his affair with Haley. And actually, I'll say this is one slight. I think it was it wasn't from Hunter. It was from it was from uh, Jill and Joe. We've been so lucky to have family and friends who have supported us every step of the way. Okay, and she writes in the book they were lucky, supported every step of the way. No mention of the family he'd left behind. <laughs> She had been suspicious that her husband was spending so much time with his sister-in-law after Bo died of brain cancer, but their therapist told her it was an important part of the grieving process. The evidence came in November 2016 when the daughters told her in her their therapist's office that they had seen incriminating texts between the lovers on his phone. How could I have missed the truth when it was right there? I thought back to the signs all the weeks and months that he had been living with Haley in Delaware, their trips, their pictures online that made me cry. Oh, my goodness gracious. So he was doing it basically openly and lying to her, but everybody can see it. Now, listen to this. The cell phone from hell. You heard about the laptop from hell? That night, she went through a phone Hunter had left behind when he'd moved out the previous year and discovered his sordid secret life, which would become public knowledge through his abandoned laptop four years later. While I'd felt as if I was losing my mind, he'd been living a strange new life I didn't recognize at all. The texts were filled with curses and graphic sexual references. He was mean at times and then strangely tender with dozens of women, none of whom I'd ever heard of before. I was struck by the number of them who clearly thought they could save him. Oh, that's a that's a routine these guys do. She provides only glimmers of the verbal abuse. What a jerk. This is terrible. And Joe Biden, by the way, this is one of the reasons why you don't run for president. Okay, when you have this kind of situation that uh, is brewing. What do you think? Hey, Susan's on the line in Brooklyn. Susan, hi. Hi, Greg. Listen, I have a strategy. Um, that First of all, I believe Andrew Giuliani, with his four years working side-by-side side with um, Donald Trump, learned a tremendous amount, obviously being the son of Rudolph Giuliani, uh, he learned a tremendous amount, and he's just got this spontaneity and self-confidence. I, I really believe that he would be a tremendous governor. And then if you run for mayor and we could get like what we had before, we had Pataki as a governor and we had, you know, Rudy Giuliani. And that that would be our best chance of really turning around this very severe decline, downward spiral. Well, I New like York it. York City and New York State is in. So a couple of things. Uh, number one, uh, Andrew Giuliani, WCBS is pulling such a rude, uh, fake news hit job on him. They're not letting him come to the debate uh, at the CBS studio, which I think is tomorrow night. It's tomorrow night. 
It's tonight. It's tonight. Seven o'clock tonight. And they won't let him in because he has not provided evidence of his uh, vaccination. Okay, I guess he's unvaccinated. Well, give me a break. We're going into buildings all day long. No one's checking vaccination papers anymore. Let him inside. This is just a. This is just done to hurt him. Um, Now he could also get vaccinated because I think it would be he'd be much better off in the room with these guys. Zeldin and Nestorino, who, by the way, I like both of them. I'm neutral in the primary. I gotta be. I like all of them. I like Zeldin. I love Astorino. I love uh, Andrew. So we'll see what happens. Uh, I think, though, Hochul, I think Hochul, let me think. If Tom Swazi wins the primary, he's going to be a really hard guy to beat. Now we have the, um, the, the good news is that he's going to fire Alvin Bragg. The good news is he's not insane. The good news is he has a brain, unlike uh, the hick from the sticks, Kathy Hochul. Uh, she is just, just put her back in the beauty parlor, let her talk to her girlfriends. I don't want to see her again, all right? Totally unqualified. Totally unqualified. As for me, um, yeah, I'm taking a good look at it. I mean, let's face it. This guy is a disaster. Eric Adams. He's ignorant. He's insulting. He's a racist. He's dumb. Um, has no idea. None. And he's not even, look, there are lots of people in politics who are all those things. But they're members of Congress. They're senators. They can't really do all that much damage. This is a big job. So much possibility, and he doesn't have the faintest idea, and he's not getting good people around him. There are one or two. There are one or two that I know of that I like. This is a big government. He's lost. All right, Susan, thanks. How are things in your world? Oh, oh, I'm just having a good time. I'm going to be out of the city most of the summer, starting some businesses upstate. So we'll see what happens. I'll be getting involved up there, too. All right. Wonderful. Thank you, Sue. Going upstate to start a business. You don't hear about that happening all too much, if you know what I mean. (laughs) Okay. No, you know what I mean? I mean, it's a a little bit, you know, I mean, it's, uh, it's not exactly thriving up there economically. Well, certain areas are, and there's. I believe that um, there'll be good tourism again up here. And um, what I'm part? What part? Some, um, the Finger Lakes area. Oh yeah, you can't go wrong up there. Hey, it's, actually, it's beautiful. Did you know that weirdo Hunter Biden has a tattoo of the Finger Lakes on his back? Did you know that? Why? No, Go- I Google one of the it. Fascinating things you can teach me. Google, Google uh, Hunter Biden back tattoo and uh yeah the finger lakes i guess it's some sort of tribute to his mom his biological mom who died you know in that car crash which is very sad and she was from up there so he's got uh the finger lakes it looks like horrible you know it looks like horrible uh, grooves but you know what those lakes are like they're they're vertical i went water skiing there once it is a great region all right listen have a great summer susan but keep in touch okay absolutely thank you thank you thank you thank you yeah hunter and he named all of his companies like uh, after little lakes up there, Skedaddles, Skittles, or something like that, Skittleadles, uh, and the works. Uh, uh, very strange stuff. Hey, I guess the hearings are done. Did they already give up? They started at 10 o'clock, 10.30. They had this dweeb on who used to work at Fox News named Chris Steyerwalt. Excuse me. Now, why are they having these, like, these – Peripheral figures, I have no idea. Doesn't matter. 
He's a guy who used to work for a TV network. He's no authority. He's not anything. They are desperate. Oh, but they know how this is going to go. They know exactly what he was going to say. They're not letting anybody up there who might disagree. You know what it is? It's a show trial. Just like Stalin had. Just like Stalin had. I actually found a, here's a, here's a show trial right now. They bring in some guy. This is some guy that Stalin did not like. They hit him with a bunch of phony charges. And they read him the riot act. And then they shoot the guy. And they do it in public to give it the veneer of, well, you know, it's in public. You know, I'm, uh, yeah, it's a show trial. Go ahead. The plot has been uncovered. The mask of treason has been torn from their faces, now and forever. Let the verdict be heard like thunder, like a fresh purifying thunderstorm of Soviet justice. Our entire country, no matter whether young or old, demand only one thing, that the traitors and spies who wanted to sell out the homeland should be shot like rabid dogs. All right, sounds a bit familiar, except for the rabid dog part, you know, up to and not including that. But the traitors, the the hyperbole, the threat to democracy, all that stuff, the threat to the homeland, um, it's the same thing they're doing in Washington. And Liz Cheney, oh, I'll have something about that tomorrow, tonight, actually. You know, Liz and her old man, Dick, Dick Cheney, you look at where Dick Cheney, he started as a drunkard in Wyoming, and now he's worth $100 million, and he's the former vice president of the United States. You know who will arrange that for him? You and me, America. That's how well you can do working for the government, working for the government, elected politics, swamp politics, that it can be so lucrative. That's what, you know who's looking for that right now? Well, his daughter, because she'll be out of Congress pretty soon, um, Liz and who's doing it every single day, most of them, but here's a name you'll remember, Paul Ryan. (laughs) I'd love to see his financials. I got to go. I'll be right back. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Uh, Hey, Rich Radabali, I just sent you uh, something or other from uh, from this thing. All right. Welcome back. Uh, I got a couple of things to say about the Real Housewives of Dubai. Have you watched that show? Uh, I can't stand it. It's decadent and vulgar. Uh, Most of the Real Housewives are. However, I will say that this cast is definitely the uh, most attractive I've seen by far, especially Nina. Uh, However, their materialism and their empty-headedness is a real turnoff. I uh, suggest all of you, all of you watch a documentary instead. Hey, you know who's at the... um, hearing this morning big dumb fat cop harry dunn i put cop in quotes i don't even think he's a real cop harry dunn you know if a hitman uh, comes you gotta find out who sent the hitman and i would like you to look into that uh harry dunn and then there's uh michael fanone his all his his buddy michael fanone uh, my name is michael fanone i have a tattoo on my neck so i'm a real badass um these guys, front row seats. Now, the, what I found, I mean, it was offensive to me on Thursday night when uh, Dunn was wearing a big, dumb T-shirt like he came from the gym and an unbelievably cheesy chain. Who wears chains anymore? I mean, come on. 
What is he, 17 years old in Brooklyn? Who does that anymore? Vinny Barbarino? Nobody does that anymore. Men-wise, right? But there he is. At least on Thursday night, I assume it was on his own, on his own time because he was wearing plain clothes, T-shirt and, you know, big boy fat jeans. But this morning, he's in uniform, sitting in the front row. Now, shouldn't he be protecting our democracy or something like that? Shouldn't he be a little bit more vigilant? He's heads down looking at his phone. Um, that's a problem. The other thing I'd like them to look into, Ray Epps. You should go to my Twitter. I got a little uh, little video sequence of this guy. Ray Epps seems to be one of the prime instigators of uh, whatever shenanigans we saw on January 6th. He's going around trying to fire people up. He's giving little clues to folks. Ten seconds later, they try to break a fence as he walks away. Ray Epps is some mysterious guy from Arizona, and nobody wants to talk about Ray Epps. And nobody wants, I mean, he's right there. Uh, That's very, very odd. The other thing about this is, oh, who's that guy? They have a British filmmaker who came in there and... He said he embedded with the Proud Boys. He didn't really say much of anything. He was all over the map. Here he is. Cut 47, please. Cut 47. He was much more um, busy than it had been any other time we'd been here because we couldn't get into the hotels we wanted to. And we um, ended up at a hotel that you know, was not as satisfactory as we would have hoped. Well, that's cute. But uh, more importantly, and unmentioned, this guy on January 6th is going off on social media. Why aren't there more cops here? I count one in front of the Capitol. This is deliberate. They're letting them in on purpose. That's from uh, Nick Quest. He just appeared before the entire country. And there are about three people who pointed that out. Me, I think Dan Bongino, somebody else. That's it. That's it. They're not even saying it's fake news. They're pretending it's not there, that it did not happen. It did. It's part of the record. It's. I think that should be asked, don't you? But no, Liz and Benny and Adam, they're all on the same page. Show trial. It's a show trial. All right. It's almost time. And with that, I'll take a very quick call from Christine in Middletown. Hello, Christine. Hi, Greg. I love to have people know that... uh... January 6th was a peaceful protest predicated on the stolen election. And then, and there's a better shot of HRT growing my boobies out the double D's than all those Biden, Biden votes being legitimate, sir. All right. <laughs> You're tra- I th- have you transitioned yet or are you transitioning? How transitioning? I haven't had surgery. I've had everything else. I've been on hormones for two and a half years and all that. All my records are legal. I changed everything over. All right. Now, Christine, everybody, is uh, our conservative uh, transgender from Connecticut. Now, you got a little cute with the uh, January 6th. What is your take on January 6th? I know I get the joke about the phony votes, but what about January 6th? But it really was. What we saw two years ago in any given city during the summer, those are riots. They call those peaceful protests. Exactly. People come back and say January 6th is the worst thing ever. It's incredible. You, all weekend long, I put out videos from this guy named Bill Batty. Yes, they're bashing police cars. They're looting stores. They're going crazy. They're burning down police stations. 
and it was sanctified as beautiful Black Lives Matter social justice protests, social and racial justice. And uh, everybody was praising the uh, the peaceful protests, and they weren't. We all saw it. And the capacity for dishonesty is really shocking, actually. It's very shocking in America that that could happen. All right, Christine, good points. And, uh, hey, are they giving you a hard time up there being uh, in Connecticut and being a conservative yet being a transgender? Do you ever feel like, you know, you have no uh, – you have no home. You have a home here, of course, but, you know. Well, I appreciate that. You know, at the last two Pride events, I met Harry Aurora. Wrote, uh, he's running for Connecticut State Treasurer, and I met Bob Stefanowski. Both of them gave me their business cards. All right. Well, Bob look, Stefanowski there's one thing, are- and you call back because I have seen more Pride flags than American flags over the weekend. I mean, office buildings on Park Avenue have these big Pride flags. Why is that? I tell you what, I've seen more pride flags than I've seen representations of the cross. It's true. That's not right. For for a Judeo-Christian society like ours, that's not right. I'll be right back. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. It's probably one of the fakest of the fake news is that Dana Bash, Dana Bash, Dana Bash on CNN. Uh, addicted to it, just addicted to it, with no real interest other than uh, trying to make news. That's a big problem with these people. They're not content to be observers. They want to influence it all. They want to shape it. If only they would be, okay, there are things happening, and we're going to observe those things happening, and we're going to relay what's happening. No, 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 no. They want to have an impact. They want to make a difference. And maybe you think, well, that sounds good, making the world a better place. No, 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 no. Don't you be so troublesome with me. If you want to make a world a better place, go do it. Go make the world a better place. These folks, you, if you say, and you're a journalist, you want to make the world a better place, and then every situation you approach, you come in with the assumption that it must be all fouled up. There's something wrong here, and i got to fix it. Uh, what do we'll do? We'll call for reform. It must be reformed. What does reform mean? It doesn't matter, you know, or we'll get somebody fired. Yeah, we'll get somebody fired. Wow. That'll make a real difference. Yeah. Yeah, we'll get the guy who's uh, charging, you know, he says it's diet ice cream, but it's regular ice cream. We're going to get him fired. We're going to shut down the business. Yeah, watch. Wow. Yeah. You, <laughs> is that making the world a better place. Is that really why they're in it? Is that all the hair and the makeup and the lights and the cameras? Is that so they can make the world a better place? Again, <laughs> they're just not content to observe the world. They can offer their observation, but they want to influence it. And Dana Bash is one of the worst. Oof. Oof. And I guess, why did she make news? Why, why did she make news? Because AOC is not endorsing Joe Biden right now. Well, I mean, again, that's like silly gotcha. I, I don't like AOC, but it's silly nonsense. Who the hell who cares, number one? And number two, if you think about it, AOC shouldn't endorse anybody. She may run herself. She may run herself. I know it's tragic. She might even be old enough. She could be old enough to run for president. Uh, she will be old enough, right? In 2024, she's going to be 35. Can you believe it? This maniac, this kid. 
is running this country into the ground, pulling Joe Biden, everybody else way, way, way to the left. They're so afraid of uh, ticking her off, and that's the heart and soul of the country right now. Hey, what the hell's going on with Fox News? Why do they have a pretend room that looks like the Senate? Have you heard about this? They call it the Senate Project, and they're having every nut job on. It looks like there's Bernie Sanders. Is that a real Senate? Okay, no, it's some town hall. It's some little... It's not the real Senate, but they made it look like a Senate. They made it look like a, hmm. I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying it's weird or it's unusual. The Senate project on Fox News. What the hell does that mean? Anyway, uh, leaving the Senate for a moment, let's go to the House. Here's Benny Thompson asking a former Fox News employee who won the 2020 election. Now, why do they have to have a hearing So Congressman Nobody can ask Mr. Nobody who won the 2020 election when the fake news says they already know who won. Why would they stop everything? And listen to this guy. This used to be the man at Fox News, Steyerwalt. Steyerwalt. Um, uh, One of those political junkies. And All right, go ahead. What? Listen to the question. Listen to the answer. Who won the presidential election of 2020? Uh, Joseph Robinette Biden Jr. of the great state of Delaware. That's like that's why would they have him? What, what, what this kind of sassy attitude from him, Joseph Robinette Biden? His name is Robinette, by the way, from the great state of Delaware. It's a show trial. He knew what he was going to say. He and he asked him again. What's that like that? Like our friends in Russia back in 1938 show trials just like this. Who won the presidential election? No, 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 no. Forget it. Forget it. The plot no, forget has it. Been... Forget it. Thanks. Um, oh, Amber Heard just said something. Amber Heard. Amber Heard. She's the one who was lying about uh, Johnny Depp, and we're glad that Johnny Depp won. But Amber Heard is now going on the sympathy tour. Cut 54, please. Even somebody who is sure I'm deserving of all this hate and vitriol. If you think that I'm lying, you still couldn't look me in the eye and tell me that you think on social media there's been a fair representation. You cannot tell me that you think that this has been fair. Um, Social media, fair? (laughs) Who cares? It's not what it's about. It's, uh, oh my God, now why do they have that? They've got a phony, wait, is that the real Senate? What is he standing in right now? Okay, they're up in some museum, and they got a fake Senate room, and and it looks like Brett Baer is doing a show-and-tell. Is that the Kennedy Library? Did we go all the way up there? Is Fox News now doing something with the Kennedy Library? I have yet to see the uh, Mary Jo Kopechny exhibit. I'd go to that before I'd go to the fake U.S. Senate. Let's see the Mary Jo Kopechny wing. Let's see the Marilyn Monroe wing and the Judith Exner wing and that 19-year-old intern that John F. Kennedy deflowered in the White House swimming pool for the first time and in the Carlisle Hotel the last time. Oh, yes, he did. And you know what? We still have an airport name for that guy. I mean, uh, yes, I know times were different, but they weren't that different, quite frankly. They weren't that different. What the hell was going on with that guy, huh? 
Was it the hormones he was taking or what? If you notice, and I actually do remember wondering about this as a kid, because they were always telling me, oh, JFK, he was so handsome. And I'm like, uh, his face looks like a pumpkin. I don't really get the handsome part. I mean, I, I it, it just, and I think it was the cortisone or the whatever the hell it was he was taking for his Addison's disease, his Graves' disease. He was diseased. It's one of the reasons why Lyndon Johnson actually became his vice president. Because Lyndon had so much power in the United States Senate as a majority leader. He's like, why would he take the vice presidency when the vice presidency accurately described really doesn't do much of anything? And he, he actually think, thought to himself, you know what? Kennedy's probably not going to make it because of all these uh, weirdo illnesses and this reckless streak that he, that he had. All right. So, look, Amber Heard, do not go looking for uh, social media to, um, you know, for the court of uh, get fairness or justice. That's not going to happen. It's for amusement purposes only. Hey, do you know who Monica Crowley is? She's a great person, um, Nixon expert, formerly worked with him, uh, foreign affairs master. She worked in the Department of Treasury under Donald Trump. And they're all over her for these comments. But you know what? I think uh, I think she's onto something. Cut 57, if you don't mind. Cut 57, Monica Crowley. This has been a long-term project by the left. It actually began in the 1930s, and it came out of the KGB. It was originally a KGB operation to destroy the country. And then after World War II, the, the Soviets actually changed their tactics. And what they decided to do, and it's been very effective for many decades, is infiltrate and grab control of the major pillars of U.S. life. So they grab control of the culture, so entertainment movies, television, music. They grab control of academia at the university level, and now it's all the way shot down through uh, kindergarten and, and even younger. And they grab control of the news media. So with those pillars, they've been able to inflict tremendous damage over many decades. And now, Steve, we are actually at a tipping point where the, the useful idiots on the left that, you know, the Soviet Union collapsed, the CCP then stepped in to, to take over this grand project to destroy the country from within. That's exactly what's happening. And now when you've got useful idiots in the highest levels of, of power, including in the White House, including in Congress, yes. you're seeing an acceleration of the tipping point to, to the point where we're almost at the point of no return. She's spot on, a thousand percent accurate and right. By the way, who's Steve? Steve Hilton, I think, the Sunday, the Sunday night guy. The only institution that they have not infiltrated yet, but they're working on it very hard. Actually, I take that back. They have somewhat, they have partially infiltrated it. The military, the Pentagon. Now, law enforcement is still a holdout, but they are making a major, major play for law enforcement. You see that with the January 6th hearings. Wow. Oh, Monica, that was brilliant. Very, very astute. She's right. And that's why I feel so, I don't know, I feel, um, I feel free. I feel free. I feel also I have a duty to fight back. You know what's right. I know what's right. We know what's right. We know that this is wrong. We know that kids hanging around with cross-dressers and transgenders and reading in the library during school hours with these people, that's wrong. We know it's wrong for the money to be paid them. We also know it's wrong. You know, we we love everybody, but um, now there's 
Well, there's a lot wrong with our culture. There is a lot wrong. And it's not just the crap you're seeing on TV. It goes to our kids, what they're trying to do to them. This radical socialist ideology. Make it all about race. Make it all about, oh gosh, it is disgusting. And I worry about my little daughter, by the way, and you can see her on social media. There are some nice little little corners of social media. I have a video of her running down the block. It just she's so fast at Gray Kelly, USA. It is uh, it's something to watch. Uh, my little Annalise run run like crazy. Um, what else? Uh, do me a favor. Let me talk to Mark in Brooklyn for a moment. Hi, Mark. Hey, Greg. How are you? Good. Uh, I just wanted to say we, we, we're, we're seeing tyranny uh, grab hold, and they're trying to do it now with this with Biden, Pelosi, and all of them, and Schumer. If you remember back in 2008 when, when Barack Obama got elected, Schumer, his first press conference after that said, we've got all three. Now our goal is to stay in power and control or control all three. I'm, I'm semi-paraphrasing here. This is this is getting out of control, out of control, because why don't they just enforce the gun laws that are on the books? How about that? Yeah, all 10,000 of them, all 10,000 of them. I know, yep, I know. Hey, then, hey, here then, is a guy who's out of control for sure, Chuck Schumer. Cut 37, please. Cut 37. This is illegal, by the way. I want to tell you, Kavanaugh, you have released the whirlwind, and you will pay the price. You won't know what hit you. Now, what the hell is that supposed to mean? Hey, I noticed on the Sunday shows no one was talking about the assassination plot against Justice Kavanaugh. Nobody. Zero talk. Zero talk. It was on page 820 of the New York Times last week. It's a major, major story. A guy with guns right outside his house. And I'm not convinced, by the way, that the U.S. Marshals stopped them. No, I don't know if that's true or not. I know they were out there. I know it might have spoke to him, but I don't know if that's uh, – no. I, I hope those guys were on duty. Maybe not. All right, do me a favor. I appreciate it, Mark, very much. i got to take a quick break. I'll be right back. Greg Kelly, Greg Kelly. on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Hey, once again – my Newsmax show, starting tomorrow night, will be on at 10 p.m. Eastern Time. 10 p.m., that's uh, 9 o'clock Central, uh, 8 o'clock Mountain, 7 o'clock Pacific, all right? 7, 8, 9, 10. 10 o'clock East Coast Time. Tonight, it's on at the normal time, 7 o'clock. Never again after tonight, we think. So it's been that way for how long now? A year and a half? How long have I been there? Two and a half years. Two and a half years. We're making the switch 10 p.m., does that seem kind of late to you? No? Uh, I'm actually excited because it's going to give me it's gonna give me more breathing room. I'm going to be able to do more uh, leisure stuff. I'm going to be able to do more work stuff. I'm actually, I'm actually kind of excited about the, the situation. Hey, just another, remember whenever they bring up the Proud Boys and they were doing that this morning, they were doing it last week, they're doing it all the time, the Proud Boys, white supremacists, white supremacists, white supremacists. The ugly racist, the Proud Boys. It's not true. The Proud Boys are not white supremacists. They are patriots. They believe in the Constitution. They believe in fairness. They renounce white supremacy. They don't believe in any of that crap. 
And when he gets out of jail, I hope you get to meet him and ask him yourself. A guy named Enrique Terrio, who was the uh, head of the Proud Boys, I guess until he got locked up, happens to be of Afro-Cuban descent. I had his mother on the show last week, was it? And uh, she's originally from Cuba. These are not white supremacists, folks. They're not. They're good people, actually. They're good people. They've just been lied about and maligned. It's so unfair. And he's being prosecuted and he's being persecuted. And they upped it to, what is it, a seditious conspiracy right in time for the hearing last week. Oh, tonight on my Newsmax show, I'm going to have a guy named Ryan Kelly on. Ryan Kelly is a Republican from Michigan. He's running for governor. And they locked him up the day of the hearings. They're going to have the big January 6th primetime hearing, so they lock this guy up. All right? It's all linked. A year and a half. And they charge him with a bunch of misdemeanors. He wasn't even inside the Capitol. He was outside the Capitol. And by the way, most of the people who are inside the Capitol, I don't blame them. They walked in an open door. Have you seen my show? I've shown you the footage. Nobody else will show you. Why won't they show you at the January 6th hearings, right? Why won't they talk about Ashley Babbitt? Why won't they find out who that little cop was who was waving people in? Hmm? Why don't they bring Officer Michael Bird up who shot Ashley Babbitt if they're so confident this was a righteous shooting? Let's hear from him. Hey, and let's have some real uh, adverse. I guess you want to have some real give and take on that committee. You don't want a bunch of people who agree with each other. What is that? It's a show trial. Who invented the show trial? Well, I don't know exactly, but I know Stalin perfected them. The plot has been uncovered. The mask of treason has been torn from their faces, now and forever. Let the verdict be heard like thunder, like a fresh purifying thunderstorm of Soviet justice. Our entire country, no matter whether young or old, demand only one thing, that the traitors and spies who wanted to sell out the homeland should be shot like rabid dogs. All right, so that was a trial against some guy, Putin. I'm sorry, not Putin. Uh, Stalin didn't like anymore. Uh, communist theorist by the name of Bukharin. Hated him so much he wanted him dead. So they had a show trial. Uh, you know, no cross-examination. No exculpatory evidence at all. And that guy just railed for two days. And uh, presto changeo, he's convicted and he's put to death. Now, right up until the rabid dogs, it's all very similar to uh, what's happening with January 6th. And now these are real people spending real time in real jail, real prison. And it's not fair. It's not right. It's not, I think, even legal. And kind of breaks your heart, that America. Hey, by the way, the big threat to democracy, January 6th, January 6th, all day long, January 6th. Well... I took a look at some pictures of the Capitol, and I found some pictures of the Capitol from the day before January 6th, January 5th. And guess what the Capitol looks like on January 7th? The same thing. It's, it looks like it's been untouched. Untouched. It's strong. It's in total form. It's there. Yet I looked at some other pictures of Macy's, <laughs> the main floor of Macy's. It was closed for four weeks after they uh, pillaged the whole damn place. What else? I looked at the Metropolitan Police Department up there in Minneapolis. 
the 5th Precinct. I saw that the day before. It was a functioning police precinct. The day of, it was the towering inferno. And then a couple of months later, it was gone because it was totaled. They had bulldozers remove it. Why is that stuff so beautiful? Why? Why were those protests so beautiful? And January 6th was the worst thing that happened since the war of 1619, 1812, whatever. Why? Anything, anything to get Joe Biden in office. Anything. Well, you got it. Are you satisfied? Is it Was it really worth ruining the country to get this liar in there? This guy who would betray his own family? Who would betray, by the way, his own son, Bo. Yeah. He betrayed his own dead son, Bo. Now, how did he do that? By looking the other way and saying, oh, it's all good and beautiful that his son, Hunter, is hooking up with Bo's wife, Haley. He put out a statement to the New York Post saying he could not be happier that Bo and Haley found each other. As if it was hard. They're in the same damn family. This is a bad, bad man. And I do believe, like Monica Crowley said, he is out to ruin us. He is out to ruin us. He's already been bought by the Chinese, the Ukrainians, and who the hell knows what else, who else. He is so conflicted. He is so dirty. He is dirty. He's not going to get away with it. Hey, number one, I want Joe to die at the age of 120 of natural causes. That's not what this is about. I want accountability, though, for his actions in court, in a real court. Right? In God we trust? I still do. Do you? I don't think Joe does. It's something he strangely never talks about. Only when he's bragging about knowing the Pope. Ever notice that? All right, give me a moment. I'll be right back. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Hey, if you ever want to know... Why Chuck Schumer is so nutty, because he used to be relatively normal, but he lost his mind back in 2018. He said, I'm going to do something with uh, on infrastructure with Trump. And then I think six hours later, there was a huge angry mob outside of his Brooklyn apartment, yelling, screaming, saying awful stuff. He's like, I'm not doing that again. He got scared. And then he, he so he's now following the woke mob, whatever the hell they want. So in 2020, when he started acting like this. Uh, well, that's where it started. Uh, one more time, if you don't mind. This is fascinating to me. What is he saying? What is he implying? Forget implying. What is he actually calling for? Cut 15. I want to tell you, Gorsuch. I want to tell you, Kavanaugh. You have released the whirlwind, and you will pay the price. You won't know what hit you if you go forward with these awful decisions. You won't know what hit you. Well, how do you explain that? Well, we're going to give uh, Chris Coons a chance at explaining it. Chris Coons is a senator from Delaware. I think he became a senator after Joe Biden became vice president. It was a big opportunity for Chris, so he owes Joe everything. And uh, he's, uh, you know, he's not exactly a leader. He's all right. So what does he make of this? Cut 16. Chris Coons defending Chuck Schumer. I got to hear this. Go ahead. 
What uh, Senator Schumer was saying was that uh, he was upset, uh, he was alarmed, he was concerned at the prospect uh, that justices would reverse decades of a well-established fundamental constitutional right in our country. What he did not say was, uh, let's go attack them. Um, uh, no, I don't. I, I think he kind of did, actually. <laughs> you won't know what hit you. When I when I threaten people, which I have to do every now and then in an emergency or when I get really mad or something really sets me off, you know, if I say you're not going to know what hit you, I think that's a threat, right? I'm not going to I don't have to say I will attack you physically. I don't think I've ever done that. But every now and then I've threatened people. Should I be admitting that? Probably not. <laughs> I mean, I mean, not right. Uh, yeah, I have. Sure, I have. Not in a long time. Not in a professional environment. But I have. Haven't you? And you say it from anger. And if you get called out, if you said it at work, you'd be in trouble. Uh, yeah, nice try there. This guy, Chris Coons, will spin anything. Uh, here he is saying that, uh, oh, yeah, Joe Biden's going to be the candidate in 24. Oh, yeah? Let me, uh, how do you figure there, Chris? Cut 14. Is President Biden running in 24, and should he? Uh, yes, he is, and I'll tell you, Brett, um, it is my understanding. Uh, l- let me be clear. Uh, I'm not speaking on his behalf or announcing a candidacy. I'm just saying that as of now, it's my understanding that the president intends to seek a second term. Mm, my understanding. There's the giving himself a little wiggle room. Uh, Double speak. That's one of the reasons why Trump did so well. You know, all these other... They're couching it. They're playing all these games. Now, who the hell could this be? Never mind. Um, All right, Chris Coons, we took care of that. Uh, You know, Bill Maher, let's face it, that guy, he's fantastic. He's just, he's like the, in some ways, he's the heart and soul of America. Not always, but there's Bill Maher about the attempt to kill Kavanaugh. And the fact that it wasn't covered virtually anywhere, the Sunday shows yesterday, not one freaking mention, not one. It was all January 6th and stopping Trump and all that nonsense. Nothing even about inflation and gas prices, real issues. Nothing about the attempt. And by the way, do you know that, that a kid, a 28-year-old guy from California was caught in front of Kavanaugh's house with a hunting knife, with a pocket knife, with a machete, with a gun, with a rifle, with, with duct tape, with rope? He wanted to kidnap and kill Justice Kavanaugh. And he almost got away with it. Now, why isn't anybody talking about it? Cut 17, Bill Maher. The point I would agree with is the New York Times buried this. Yeah, it was like if a this tiny had been thing a, below the fold. If this had been a liberal Supreme Court justice that someone came to kill, it would, have been on the, it would have been on the front page. And that's what's so disappointing about a paper like the New York Times. Because they just wear their bias on their sleeves. And they if it's not part of something that feeds our narrative, it. Yeah, it's true. It is true. You know, I don't pretend that the January 6th hearing did not take place. I didn't. I, I addressed it. I played clips. I played maybe too many clips. I was... I did not pretend that Mary Trump did not write that horrible, nasty book about Donald Trump and the Trump family. I read it, and then I debunked it. But I didn't pretend it didn't happen or it didn't exist or she didn't write it or Mary Trump didn't exist. And I think that's a big difference, quite frankly, between conservatives and liberals. We see the world the way it is. We address things. We don't, we don't try to create a new reality. We live in reality. 
yeah, we want to change it sometimes. We want to, we, we don't like it, but we don't pretend things aren't happening when they're happening. And we don't pretend that things are happening when they aren't happening. Right? Pretty much. All right. Hey, AOC, eh, who cares about her, really? Um, did you? Not me. Hey, Mike in Morris County. Hi, Mike. Hi. Oh, hi, Greg. Uh always wondered why President Trump wouldn't come to New York or New Jersey, say, like Warren County, Morris County, someplace in there, do a rally. Too many fireworks, you think? Too many fireworks? What do you mean by that? Well, you know, a Trump supporter in a Democratic area is a Trump supporter. Okay, he's done rallies. It's not going to take much gruff. (laughs) He's done rallies in uh, upstate New York before, a, a bunch of them. Yeah, but it's a little bit, you know, the metropolitan area. No, I mean, no, 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 no. He did it well. He did it well into upstate. And by the way, where does Elise Stefanik live? She's way up there, right? She, he, he, he went to her district recently. Let's see here. I know he did one way upstate. Like, we're talking Rochester. We're talking Buffalo. We're talking way the hell up there. Uh, and actually, I encouraged him because I thought that there was a crazy chance that he could win New York in 2016. I was um, I was wrong. He also did one on Long Island. He did one on Long Island at the at the Beth Page, the old Grumman plant, I believe. So he's done plenty of rallies uh, uh, upstate, Long Island, all over the place, and yeah, the suburbs, New Jersey. What do you want from him, man? No. You want you want him to come to your house? Come on. No, no. I want him in New Jersey and uh, Morris County. All right. I don't know about the counties, but he's been there. You may have to go to the next county. All right. Fair enough yeah, with you. He's coming all the way to see New Jersey. He lives in Bedminster, yeah, by the way. He, I think he's there right now. He's lived, He lives in New Jersey. So do I. I've been here all my life, 63 years. It just seems like he's afraid to come in certain areas, or maybe they won't let him come in certain areas. Afraid to come. All right, so you, you, now you're getting, uh, afraid to come. They won't let him come. You know what? I don't think it would necessarily be. No, I'm trying to think of one area. He's gone to the inner city. In, do you remember when he went to Detroit and he said, what the hell do you have to lose? You should vote for me. They always screw you. I mean, I, you know, and by the way, let's face it, New Jersey isn't exactly considered a swing state these days, right? Yes, there's one and a half million that voted for him. I understand, Mike. He actually got. He got 500,000 more votes in 2020 than he did in 2016. Mike, it's not swing state territory, all right? But you know what? It sounds like you know a lot about politics. You should, uh, you know, you're calling me. Go ahead, call Bill Stepien. Call uh, call Ivanka. Tell them. <laughs> tell them. Good luck, Mike. Thanks. John in Staten Island, what's up? Hi. Hey, Greg. Uh, my question about Eric Adams is that if he hates uh, using the, the C word as he did with the cops, isn't uh, Cuomo and de Blasio both one left, the other one was resigned? He hung out with him for dinner. So why is he hanging out with those thieves? You know like, what I'm talking about? Uh, I don't want to say the word uh, dis- disparaging white people. So cracker? Cracker. Right. You, that. So, I mean, Cuomo and, and de Blasio both left, and he sat down with him. I don't know if he got any good ideas. I mean— but no, he, you know, he, I don't think de Blasio has any good ideas. Uh, uh, Cuomo is smarter than de Blasio, but I don't know what the hell that dinner was about. All right, thanks, man. Uh, one more. We got uh, Steve in Brooklyn. Yeah. Hi. Um, 
Eric Adams seems to me to be an evil cross or hybrid between Chance the Gardener from the movie Being There with Peter Sellers and Forrest Gump. Uh, he has sort of advanced in life from basically nothing to being mayor of New York with aspirations to be the president of the United States. And um, it's basically theater of the absurd brought to real life. Hey, I like that a lot. Uh, by the way, being there is one of my favorite movies with Peter Sellers. And uh, what it is is there's this guy who looks, he looks great, he sounds great, everything he says uh, seems profound, but it's not. He's got the intelligence of a four-year-old. There's something about him, though, that people like, and he's wearing very uh, stylish old clothes, like from Britain in 1920, and somehow he looks like a big shot. And everybody falls all over him, even though he's literally an imbecile. And uh, I like that. The style, you're right, there's a lot going on there. He uh, he doesn't say anything that's particularly smart or insightful, Eric Adams. But he looks great in that suit. And let's face it, people are holding him to a much lower standard because of identity politics. And by that, he's black. That's what I'm getting at. There's something about that, especially from reporters, especially from the mainstream media. They play games when it comes to standards. They change. They change the way they interview people. They change the way they treat people based on what they look like. And it is absurd to me. It's quite frankly offensive to me. But they play this game. And they think to themselves, am I going to be tough on this person? If I am, what will happen to me? Is that going to enhance my status? Is that going to diminish my status? What about social media? Do they have a lot of followers? Do they have? Could those some of those followers follow me? Could some of those followers attack me? What will they say? What will the left say? What will the right say? Who cares what the right says? There's not that many of them here. Hmm. Will I like to work for Eric Adams someday? Maybe, maybe, maybe all these things come into play. But nothing more than the race of Eric Adams. It's how he got elected. And by the way, the press had no problem going after the Asian guy. Did you notice that? They were picking on him. They were nitpicking him. They were making fun of him. Every little thing. He's ten times, a hundred times the intellect of Eric Adams. A thousand times the accomplishment. Talking about Andrew Yang. Sure, he made some mistakes. But just listen to the guy. He's smart. He's eligible for the job. Anyway, all that to say, I agree with you, uh, Steve. Um, this is an, this is a terrible. Uh, Jerzy Korzynski, when he wrote the book, was thinking about this kind of insanity because he had lived through World War II and the insanity of the Nazis. He lived. The author of that actually lived in the Ardennes Forest in France, mm. hiding out. All right. The whole point about Chance the Gardener is he is an imbecile who is mistaken by the public, all the people in the supporting cast, as being a genius. Yeah. And so he goes from Chance the Gardener, who plants roots. I know. We address that. Chauncey Gardener. Hey, one. Let me ask you something, since you know so much. Uh, Jersey Jerry Kaczynski, whatever his name, he killed himself. Jerzy. Why did he do that? Do we know? Because he was a very successful guy. He was a profound writer, and he saw in the Nazis the horror, because he was a victim of them. I believe he was a Polish socialist. And what happened, basically, was that he had to flee by himself and live during the remainder of the war in the forest. Uh, when he made it, uh, finally, as author, this was his sort of summa, you might say, of 
the entire <laughs> horror that he had witnessed. All right, all right. Professor, do me a favor. Why did he kill himself? Don't know that. All right. Do you know he worked at a parking garage in New York? I remember he had some sort of menial job. I don't remember what it was. Yeah, he was parking cars for a while. But he anyway. was a brilliant author and a brilliant understander of political insanity. Well, uh, we got a lot of that right now. Everybody should watch uh, Being There, a great movie with Peter Sellers. And one other thing, I, by the way, think treating people differently like that based on race is – it's a form of racism. And, uh, you know, I don't like George Bush, but he called it the bigotry of soft expectations when you treat somebody like a baby. And that's what so many of these reporters do. And they're just blown away by that smile and that uh, – I don't even think his suits are all that great, by the way. I don't know what the – I think he gets them from Suit Supply, which are the cheapest suits around. Thank you very much, uh, Steve. Bright guy. Hey, Steve, before we go, uh, how would you uh, become so – oh, he's gone. Uh, I'd like to know how he became so bookish. Who has the time? Who the hell has the time to read books? I mean, I wish I read more when I was a kid. I read a lot in my 20s. I still try to read – but it's, you know, it's, gee whiz. And these people who sit around listening to podcasts, it's one thing when you're in the car. But how do you listen to a podcast if you're uh, not in a car? I don't know how anybody does that. Uh, one more, Joseph in Fairfield. Yeah, hi. Hello, uh, Colonel Gregory. Uh, I'd like to talk about January 5th. And uh, Mayor Bowser gave a stand-down order to the police not to interfere with Antifa buses and the BLM buses, BLM standing for Be Like Marks. When they came in, uh, they never said anything about that. Uh, do you know anything about that? Could you repeat that last part? Uh, the BLM and Antifa buses, busloads of, of these characters came in on January 5th. Mayor Bowser gave a stand-down order to the police, the D.C. police, not to interfere. Uh, I remember reading that or hearing that at that time. Well, um, Mayor Bowser, like use- Mayor Bowser, and the Metropolitan Police Department were not nearly aggressive enough, as you know. Donald Trump made available National Guard troops; they were not called upon. Also, this Trump and the federal government, the federal government that he, the part that he could control, not Nancy Pelosi's little fiefdom there at the Capitol. They know how to protect institutions, facilities. You got to look it up. In fact, I'm going to put it up on my Twitter right now. Um, about a thousand guys in riot gear in front of the Lincoln Memorial in July of 2020. This is during Black Lives Matter summer. Everything's going crazy. They did not want to lose the memorial to graffiti, to arsonists, or anything. So they got about a thousand guys, all troops, by the way, and they're wearing ma- and they look very foreboding. You know who complained about that and said it was racist? Joe Biden's granddaughters. And who do they talk to? Joe Biden. And Joe Biden went around saying. That's racist. He really did. He really did. Aggressively defending our institutions was racist. I got to put this up. Uh, At Greg Kelly USA, you'll get a kick out of it. At Greg Kelly USA. Give me a moment. Thanks. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. You know those silly drag shows and... um, I feel like they are, they're always happening in Wisconsin and Texas. They seem like they're happening. Look, New York is a pretty, you know, avant-garde place, and we're not shocked by this stuff. However, I am shocked when it winds up in schools, and now they're pushing it into schools. Again, I thought it was in Texas. I thought it was in Oregon. I thought it was in Wisconsin. 
But it's come to my attention, actually about 10 days ago it did, that this is happening routinely in New York City public schools, sending in cross-dressing drag queens into school without parental uh, consent, by the way, to read storybooks to kids. To read silly storybooks, and some of them with, uh, you know, a sexual bent of one type or another. You can figure out what bent that might be. To children and New York City taxpayers, you and me, we're paying for it. I got to figure out something about that, by the way. How do I how do I rig it so I don't have to pay city taxes? Seriously. Do I go to, you know, do I get a P.O. box in Florida? How does that work? I got to I, I can't pay for this stuff. I mean, I want. I need a guy like DeSantis uh, spending my money. I don't want Eric Adams and Kathy Hochul. Seriously, I want. I mean, I got to look into that. There's a lot of money. Two hundred thousand dollars since 2018. The city has spent hiring drag queens to read to students at public schools. UK Daily Mail. Parents say that the drag programs at New York City public schools often took place without parental consent. The Department of Education characterized the programs as. Promoting inclusivity and preventing violence against transgender people. Now, I've been around for a long time. I've yet to see violence against transgender people. Now, I see violence against people all the time, regular people. In fact, a buddy of mine, I can't, he doesn't want me talking about it, but his na- name begins with a B, as in um, Bert. He got beat up on the subway train not too long ago. Beat up. Bad. He still has got a ringing in his ear. Beat up bad on the subway train. You know what he was doing? He was riding the subway while white. That's enough to set off some uh, some maniacs down there. New York City has been spending heavily on sending drag queens into its public elementary schools, dropping more than $200,000 on appearances since 2018. Just last month, records show the city paying $46,000 to send Drag Story Hour NYC to public schools, libraries, and street festivals. Some parents say the programs were booked without their consent, while officials have responded with outrage. The news outlets, I'm sorry, the news comes as debates rage across the country about how gender identity and young children should interact. In 2022 alone, Drag Story Hour has made 49 appearances at 34 schools in New York City. The organization characterizes itself as promoting inclusivity, creativity, and accepting of the real self in children. By exposing them, you can stop right there, by the way, when you talk, you know, exposing them to drag queens, reading, yep, I knew it, I knew it. Similarly, thematic books. You know, (laughs) Curious George is about as exotic as I want it getting with kids. And even that was problematic. The man with the yellow hat and the monkey, huh? living alone. Through fun and fabulous educational experiences, our programs celebrate gender diversity and all forms of difference to build empathy and give kids the confidence to express themselves however they feel comfortable. You know what? We're making all this junk trendy. Trendy and cool. And you know who's feeling totally uncool and not with it and not hip and possibly alone and isolated? I don't know. All those, what's the what's the word they came up with? Cisgender. Cisgender means you're, uh, you're a boy and you think you're a boy. 
You're a girl and you think you were a girl. How uncool is that, huh? And to make matters even more bland, maybe you're a boy who thinks you're a boy and you're white. Hmm? Maybe you're a girl who thinks you're a girl. That makes, Or maybe you're a Karen. Huh? Hmm? All right. Hey, one more time. If you are a, if you are over the age from middle school, get off your stupid scooter. I just saw six of them go by. Men, I don't know how old they are. They're 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 in their twenties and up. One guy looked like he was forty on scooters. They are a menace. They are a menace to you. They are a menace to me. And if you are riding one of those things, you are a stupid head. Stop it. All right. Thank you so much. Remember, Newsmax tonight at 7 o'clock. Tomorrow, the big shift, 10 p.m. Eastern. And I don't want to figure out the rest, but, you know, all the way down to the West Coast, it changes. All right. 10 o'clock tomorrow night, 7 o'clock tonight. I'll see you then. All the best. Thanks. Thanks.